Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, uh, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and coming to you today from Oakland, California, where I'll be at Spurs Warriors uh, tonight. But more importantly, right now, I am here with my very good friend, uh, Ian Begley, who does a terrific job covering the Knicks for ESPN.com, and who, along with uh, his colleague Mark Stein, uh, uh, I guess it was Tuesday night, um, you know, broke the latest uh, news on the Knicks. Ian was the guy who had the story first that Derek Fisher was out as coach, and he might be the guy who first had the story of who the next coach is going to be, and that he and Mark reported that Kurt Rambis uh, is the strong as a strong possibility to remain as coach going forward into next season. So, Ian, congrats on that. And what have the last forty-eight hours been like since you you came out with that story that? Um, that Kurt, you know, was in strong position to maybe keep this job. You know, I've gotten texts and I've gotten tweets from from some Nick fans who I think are a little confused and and upset and uh, just kind of wondering what the next step is. Uh, I think that you know that's only natural for a, a team's fan base that has struggled for so long and a, a team's fan base that is as passionate as. The Knicks fans out there are. Uh, I think there's uh, concern over the uncertainty of the future. Um, well, let's just see how things play out. And and the most interesting portion of the last couple of days to me was getting a chance to talk to Kurt Rambis and Carmelo Anthony uh, last night about everything that's going on with the coaching situation. You know, Kurt made it clear that he'd love the opportunity to coach here long term. He talked about his close relationship with Phil Jackson and. In a general sense, he talked about the importance of a coach and team president being on the same page. And then a couple hours later, we spoke to Carmelo, who says he likes Kurt and he thinks Kurt has done a good job in some tough circumstances. And he also said he'd like some input into the decision with its head coach, and, and he hasn't spoken to anyone about it yet. So that's just another dynamic here that that we're keeping an eye on as as the days go by and, and as this coaching search kind of heats up so let so let's uh we, we've only got limited time here because you got to get out pretty soon so let's let's just get right right to it it, it is it, is phil jackson i mean we were at when, we were at the press conference that he held when Derek fisher got let go um in february uh you and i up in up in greenberg new york and mm-hmm. and phil you know, didn't completely rule out the possibility of hiring somebody outside of his circle. Um, and I, but he didn't. He didn't exactly, you know, say I'm open to all candidates either. Um, is there is there any way in your mind that Phil Jackson is willing to hire somebody that isn't intimately um, doesn't intimately know the triangle offense? The way I understand it is he would be open to guys who don't have strong experience running this offense, who haven't played in the offense, who haven't coached under him uh, running this offense. But I I also think that the requirement remains that they come in here and run this offense. So, you know, if a coach, you know, let's say just for instance, Tom Thibodeau says, yeah, he's willing to run this offense to adhere to it completely, uh, then I think Phil would be open to, um, talking to Tom about the job and considering Tom as a candidate. Now, that's just a hypothetical. But the, the bigger point being, yes, he's open to, I think, guys who fall outside of his coaching tree 
but that coach ultimately has to, I, I think, run the triangle offense and adhere to it. And, and that's kind of the rub here because uh, would a guy who has no experience in an offense be completely willing to forego all his offensive principles and run this offense that hasn't had much success lately in today's NBA? Well, and that's what that was what I was getting to. Um, so the, the answer essentially is no, because he's not willing to run an offense that isn't a triangle offense. I mean that that's that's pretty much the bottom line, right? It, that's what it seems like. So that, so in that in that instance, they basically have three options to be the coach: Luke Walton, Brian Shaw, or Kurt Rambis. And you know, Luke Walton is a coach that I think they would generally get uh, wide support for hiring if if that was the choice. There's also no indication whether he would take that job or not. Um, but then you've got. You know, Brian Shaw, who got run out of Denver in, in kind of disastrous circumstances, even though he was a very well-respected assistant before that. And you've got Rambis, who's been an utter disaster as a head coach, at, you know, both in Minnesota and, you know, frankly, has done not a very good job so far with the Knicks. Um, so I, I guess my, my question is for you, if the situation is where it's either the triangle offense or, you know, or, or bust, basically, for Phil Jackson – what is the likelihood that James Dolan is just going to stand by and let him do that? Well, you know, I think that Jim certainly, you know, wants a say in what goes on here. I think, you know, he said publicly again and again, this is, this is Phil's show. I'm hands off. But I think, you know, after what's going on in the last two years, I would assume that he wants a, a bigger voice in how things play out. Um, now, you know, I think, if you're Jim, you could look at it two ways. One is I'm paying Phil Jackson $60 million to run this team, to be the face of this organization, uh, to take the blame for all that goes wrong. So I'm not getting blamed for everything that, that goes wrong for this, for this franchise. Uh, and inheriting that is, is me allowing him to do his job. Now, do I, do I acquiesce to him saying I, I need a guy to run my offense? Cause this is what I believe in. This is what I believe works. And do I let him hire Rambis and, and let him continue to kind of see his vision out as he sees fit? Or do I step in and say, you know, there are great coaching candidates out there like Tom Thibodeau, um, Scotty Brooks. You can throw out a bunch of names of, of qualified coaches who are going to be available. Do I have to get the best coach on the market? You know, so that's, I think, the the decision that Jim has to kind of wrestle with here. And I'm not sure which way he's going to go. Um, you know, I've, I've heard that. He's he's okay with the Rambus hire. I've heard that he wasn't thrilled with some things that were going on on the court throughout the season. I don't I don't know exactly where he is with it today. I guess it's something that we'll find out in the coming days because if this goes through smoothly, clearly Jim was on board. If it doesn't go through smoothly, clearly Jim is is protesting a little bit and, and wants to go after uh, another name. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess to me. If you're James Dolan, I mean, let's think about, I mean, we're both longtime New York guys. So how how remarkable is it that we are now in a situation where James Dolan hires Phil Jackson, of all people, and now there is a sizable contingent of people who think that Phil Jackson, if Phil Jackson wants to hire Kurt Rambis, and I, I will include myself in this camp, uh, given what I have written on the subject in the past, that... There is a sizable contingent of people that think that if Phil Jackson tries to hire Kurt Rambis, 
James Dolan should step in and fire him. Like, it's pretty like amazing. What, like, what is? How is this? How has it come to a point with the Knicks where James Dolan interfering with the basketball team might be long term the best decision for the team? It's it's it feels like an alternate universe for those of us who paid attention to this team and this fan base for some time. Because you know, if you go back to as recently as 2011, uh, when Donnie Walsh was running the show. And Jim Dolan gets involved in the Carmelo Anthony discussions. And, you know, there was a a sizable portion of this fan base that was saying, hey, Jim, lay off. Let Donnie do what he wants to do. Let's wait to see if we can get Carmelo in free agency or let's not give up the farm to to acquire Carmelo. And then you you fast forward a little bit uh, to when Glenn Grunwald is here. I think Jim had a lot to do with Andrea Bargnani. Uh, coming to New York and the Knicks trading uh, first round pick for Bargnani, a trade that certainly did not work out well. Uh, so there are just a, a number of instances where Jim has, has gotten involved in basketball decisions in the past and they did not work out. And, you know, I think a lot of knowledgeable Knicks fans are, are all too familiar with those decisions. So the idea that a, a big portion of this fan base is now hoping for Dolan to intervene is certainly a, a wildly different scenario than, than what we're used to around here. If if James if James Dolan, James Dolan goes to Phil and says, "Look, I've thought about this. We can't hire Kurt Rambis. Like this, this just doesn't make sense. We have a job for the first time in 15 years that people really want. Uh, we have a young star in Porzingis. We have a lot of cap space. We have a lot of things going for us. We still have Carmelo. Whatever we decide to do with them, we can't hire Kurt Rambis. What does Phil Jackson do?" Yeah, I think he would strongly consider walking because uh, his whole thing from the beginning was having full autonomy with basketball decisions, being the ultimate um, decider essentially for this franchise when it comes to coaching and personnel decisions. So, you know, if, if he was leaning toward looking for an out prior to this and, and James Dolan says to him, we can't hire the guy you want to hire. This is his out. This is his opportunity to say, hey, listen, uh, that one of the big uh, contingents of our deal coming into this was that I'd have full basketball autonomy. Now you're telling me I can't do what I want to do. This is not working. So um, I could certainly see that um, kind of playing itself out. Now, I, I don't I don't certainly don't want to act as if I'm predicting that this is going to happen. I'm just right. saying that it's definitely a plausible scenario if things play out the way you're describing. And 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 this is, to me, the existential question with the Knicks. Do we think that's what he wants? Like, do we think that, not that he wants to necessarily walk away from the team, but, but that, to me, I, this really feels like Phil Jackson is going to set this up as, I'm either going to get what I want, or you're going to have to get rid of me. And and if you get rid of me, oh look, my fiance across the country is already setting things in motion for me to be doing whatever I want with the Lakers, which is the job that I think we both can say pretty safely that Phil Jackson has really wanted from the start and that only after you know uh his, you know, eventual brother-in-law Jim Buss became you know, kind of the basketball voice there and hired Mike D'Antoni instead back in 2012, 
uh, to coach the team that that Phil, you know, eventually ended up deciding to come to the Knicks. Because now it just feels like, you know, yeah, if, if he can hire Kurt Rambis and do the triangle, then he'll stay. But if you're going to make this kind of already, you know, pretty strong push to hire Rambis when the Knicks are 8-17 and 17 now since he took over, I mean, there's, there's no there's, – Porzingis has gotten worse. There's no, there's no thing looking at the basketball side of things that would give you any reason to think that Kurt Rambis should have this job past the end of the season other than Phil Jackson stubbornly wanting him to be the coach. And to me, it, it just sets up a fascinating dynamic if, if, Dolan, if Dolan says no because I, I, just, I just wonder if that's kind of the end game for him. Well, you're you're definitely not the the first person, or I should say, we're not the first people to discuss this hypothetical because, you know, I, I've been speaking to people around the league all year, and kind of the the guess is that that's a that's a possibility if things are to play out uh, the way we're we're talking, and you know, I don't I don't want to you know put put words in or to assume what I know that I know what Phil's thinking. I think right. a lot of people in our business kind of make that mistake. But right. I, I, I do think that, you know, yes, he wants, he wants full say in what goes on here. That's a very fundamental principle of, of him running the show and, and his decision to come here. So certainly if he, if he doesn't have that, or if he doesn't feel like he has that, if he feels like his power is kind of usurped um, in this coaching decision, then, you know, it's certainly plausible for him to, to consider walking back to LA and, and trying to take a, the position with the Lakers that some believe he's always wanted. And, you know, some people who, who do a lot of business with this team were kind of familiar with the inner workings of this team. They've thought that, that as, as early on as mid season, that this was going to end up as uh, a semantics game between Dolan and Phil Jackson, uh, just about what will we say publicly that, Dolan's firing Phil or or do we say that Phil's walking away and that's that's going to be the the last kind of negotiating point between these two guys now again we're far away from that right now I don't think we're anywhere near that point I think things um you know many things have to take place for them to get to that point right but you know the other kind of issue here that 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 really needs to be hashed out is where Carmelo stands on the coaching search and and really where Phil stands on um, Carmelo's presence here with the organization and how confident Carmelo is with where things are headed in the future. You know, I think that's one of the other overarching themes of this off season is does Carmelo say to himself in, in July after kind of free agency plays out late July, I, am I comfortable with where we are or, or do I think I have a, a better shot to really reach my ultimate goal elsewhere? And do I need to seriously consider going elsewhere so that that's the other kind of cloud hanging over this offseason for this club well, and I, that you i mean that's why you're the you're the guy covering the knicks that's on top of things because that was that that to me that was where i was going to take this and that that is the other fascinating question with this team for me which is that you know look i mean you you summed it up earlier right carmelo last night says yeah you know i like kurt he's a nice guy um i should have a say in this no one has talked to me so it, it, pretty much saying, hey, you know what, Kurt Rambis is a nice guy, but I we need a better coach than that, and they need to talk to me about who it should be. And if, if they hire Kurt Rambis to be the coach of this team, I've got to think 
you know, and and let's say they don't get Kevin Durant in free agency because that's the one guy that could really take them from being an also ran to a legitimate contender um, next season. I gotta think Carmelo looks around and goes, I-, I can do better somewhere else. I mean, he the fact is, I mean, this guy's coming off these knee surgeries. Um, you know, he's getting he's I think he'll be thirty two next season, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. I mean, he's he's getting towards the tail end of his you know, really elite prime. I, I think in many ways this might be his best season in terms of his overall game. He's, his assists are at a career high. He's, I think he's played great. Um, they just don't have a lot around him, even still. Um, you know, and obviously, you know, the coaching issues haven't helped either. Um, how real – I mean, you're, you're, really, you're really well tied in with Carmelo and with the Knicks, obviously. I mean, how – where do you think he – where do you think his head is at right now in terms of in terms of where he sees things going? Because he, this is a guy that, you know, I don't think Carmelo gets nearly enough credit for the way he has kind of accepted the mantle of being a star in New York and all of the things that come with that from, you know, from a media standpoint, from a, you know, being kind of the face of, of, of the biggest franchise in the city, um, all those things. I think he's really embraced a lot of that. And it's stuff that and he, and he said a lot of times that he wants to win here, too. So... Um, so, so where, where do you, where do you kind of think that that whole situation stands at the moment? I think, you know, the perfect scenario for Carmelo is staying here and, and really seeing this thing out. Uh, cause Timmy, you just said it, you know, he said publicly several times that he wants to win here and his loyalty to this place shouldn't be questioned. And he's said several times that, you know, winning one title here would be better than winning multiple titles elsewhere. He's. So he's committed in, in, in one sense to, to doing this here and to seeing this thing through. I, I think, though, that he wants to see them significantly upgrade the backcourt uh, this summer. And he wants to see um, talent brought in that would lead this club to be ready to win immediately. I don't think he's, he's looking for a, a long-term project to be brought in. I think he wants players to be in here to, to push this thing forward to where they can compete for a playoff spot and, and be a team that can be a threat to win a first round series even. And, you know, it's tough because you don't really skip steps in this rebuilding process if you do it right. So 17 wins last year, somewhere in the low thirties this year, I guess as, as many as uh, 34, if they win their last three, if my math is right. Um, and then, you know, the next logical step, if things continue to go well, would be, I guess, somewhere in the, the low 40s and competing for a playoff spot. So in that sense, I think where Carmelo wants to be at the end of the summer and where the Knicks logically can be are, are two different things, unless the Knicks surprise people this offseason. Um, but I, I do think it would take a lot for Carmelo to actually pull the trigger and say, I'm ready to, to go somewhere else. I'm, I'm ready to try to win a title somewhere else. Because it's not only what happens on the basketball court, it's also – everything uh off the court and i think his his family's comfortable here his, his family likes it here i think his wife and his son really enjoy life in new york and he's got a young son who and it'd be hard to hard for anybody let alone uh an nba player but anyone in anyone any walk of life to to tell their young son that they have to pick up and leave and, and start a life elsewhere so i think that's another factor in, in his decision this summer that's gonna gonna weigh in and i i still have a hard time seeing him saying, yes, it's it's time for me to go. I think things have to really go south in a bad way for him to, to really consider waiving that no-trade option. 
Now, and I, I agree with pretty much all that. Um, just just for starters, and it, it, even the tra- even the no trade clause, because I, I I think it's possible that he waves it. But but kind of to your point, I, I think it's got to be a situation where they keep Kurt Rambis. The team doesn't really get any better this summer, and he just has looks around and goes like, "What? Like what am I doing?" And yeah, it's got to be a situation like that. But to get back to your beginning point, which I, I mean, obviously from a basketball standpoint, you look at this Knicks team, right? And and you're Carmelo if, if wanting to get better in the backcourt, that's obviously where this team has to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. Calderon, Jose Calderon's been a disaster, and the fact that they're playing Sasha Vujicic as the starting shooting guard is a fundamentally insane. Actually, you know what? I want to talk about that first. This whole Aaron Aflalo, Sasha Vujicic thing, um, to, for people who haven't been paying attention to the Knicks, which I wouldn't blame you for that if you don't live in New York, um, <laughs> Aaron Aflalo has a player option for next season for $8 million. And the Knicks clearly do not want him to exercise that player option. So a couple weeks ago, they decided to bench him and have him come off the bench in favor of starting Sasha Vujicic, who has not been in the NBA for four years and is only in the NBA now because he's familiar with the triangle offense and is familiar with Phil Jackson from his time with the Lakers um, and has been awful all season. So don't you think... I mean, that like I do that by messing around with a flalo like this, it's going to look really bad for the Knicks this summer when they try to go into free agency and sign guys. This really feels like the kind of thing that players and agents around the league are going to look at and go, man, that's a really crappy move by this team to screw with this guy. And, and, and we're going to think twice about them because of it. Yeah, that's interesting, Timmy. Um, I certainly wouldn't rule that out. I know, you know, everyone kind of talks, you know, the NBA is a a big league, but in many ways it's a a small community. Everyone uh, has these kinds of discussions about players' uh, experiences with teams. And it wouldn't surprise me if if that kind of was a a prevailing notion when people talked about a flawless situation. Um, I don't know, you know, if this was deliberate or not. I mean, Certainly, it's it's reasonable to draw that conclusion, but I, I don't know with any certainty what the what the underlying motives there were. I, I do know that you know even before all this stuff started, people around the league I think would have been surprised if Aflalo did opt into this the second year of his deal. So maybe it wouldn't have even taken him to be benched to to get to that end game. Um, that's the I, crazy I, part to me is I don't think there was any way he was going to opt in with all the money that's going to be on the market this summer. Right. That's what that's what a lot of people thought. A lot of people thought, yeah, they looked at that $8 million number and they looked at the increasing salary cap and they thought, yeah, he's gone uh, no matter what. Um, so you probably didn't need this, this little soap opera to get there uh, now, I, I think there's no way he opts in. Obviously, um, but I, I do think, to your point, certainly, you know that co- those conversations can can happen, and they may happen, uh, given what happened with the follow. And if they do happen, it, it certainly would reflect poorly on the organization, and, and maybe someone who was considering signing here looks at that and says, ah, "I don't like how that all played out." So. Um, yeah, they're, they're certainly you know discussing hypotheticals. That's certainly within the realm of possibility. Yeah, and and so to get to kind of get back to what we were talking about before. So assuming he opts out, assuming Calderon gets waived by the stretch position, which provision, which I think are both likely things to happen. Um, the Knicks and and whether Derek Williams opts out or not, the Knicks are going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of thirty to thirty five million dollars 
in cap space. Um, this year is not exactly the best free agent market, period. It's especially not a great free agent market for guards. Um, Mike Conley's a free agent uh, at, at point guard. He's by far the best name available. And DeMar DeRozan is the best shooting guard available by a lot. Um, but there, there's not a ton of guys after either of them. So from your standpoint, I don't know how much you've looked ahead at this. Um, if the Knicks are going to get better in the backcourt this summer, you know, even whether it's just those two guys or beyond that, who do you think they're targeting and, and who do you think – um, who do you think makes sense for them to try to go after to get better there? Well, a couple things. Um, I think that it would make sense for them to make a hard run at a guy like Nick Batum. I think he'd fit well with, with what they do. I think he, he brings a lot to the table. I think he's had a strong year in Charlotte. So, you know, that's a name that I would I would certainly make a run at if I was Phil Jackson in the front office. Uh, the thing with the guard market the point guard market is you know Mike Conley's going to want a lot of money um I don't know if the Knicks are prepared to to max um out at the point guard position this summer um you know the public statements that fills me lead me to believe that they don't want to overpay for a point guard um so I think that that maybe one area they look is is the trade market to see which guards would be available that maybe some guards that were available in, in February, maybe become available again, guys like Jeff Teague, maybe, you know, the Knicks had a discussion with Minnesota on Ricky Rubio. Maybe they, they revisit those. I think that's, that's one way to, to make something work because, you know, with that cap space, it's not only to valuable because you can sign free agents, but you can also absorb salaries and trades. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they went that route and they took a look at the trade market in addition to their options in free agency. Um, but I, I can't say with much certainty right now which direction they're going to go. I think a lot of that, you know, gets decided after the season in the, the three months that they'll have between the end of the regular season and the beginning of free agency. But I think, you know, Batum, they would certainly have conversations with their representatives for Nick um, if they're smart. That's just my opinion. No, I, I think that's a great point. I think Batum would make a ton of sense. And, and you know a guy that I've thought of on the trade market that's pro- that might surprise people, but I could see, especially if Phil sticks around, them being interested in, is Michael Carter-Williams. Um, Phil, yeah. Phil loves big point guards, and he's not all that worried about three-point shooting. Uh, Carter-Williams is a really good passer. He can't shoot at all. I frankly don't think he's he's that great of a player. Um, I, I can, I, I didn't, you know, I thought he was kind of a, a default rookie of the year choice in the first place, but it, it, with, with Jason Kidd saying that Milwaukee is gonna, um, play Giannis Antetokounmpo at point guard next year is kind of their de facto ball handler like LeBron. You really don't need a point guard then who's playing off the ball who can't shoot. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised if he's shopped and, and that's a guy that, you know, you could probably get for cheap that if, if I'm the Knicks, you know, and it's a Syracuse guy, if Carmelo sticks around, they probably have some relationship because of that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they go that kind of a direction. I know you got to leave in a minute. So I want to ask you a couple yes or no questions real quick. Sure. Is Kurt Rambis the coach next year? Mm, I'm going to say 60-40, yes. No, that's not an answer. Is Phil, is <laughs> Kurt Ram is going to be the coach next year, yes or no? Uh, all right, Gun yes. Call. Yes. So then Phil Jackson is back. Yes. So what happens to Carmelo Anthony? Is he on the think, team on opening night? I think so, yeah. Okay. And do the Knicks, do the Knicks sign 
a top line free agent this summer, and that I'll I'll include guys like DeRozan and Batum in that, like a, a, a you know a borderline max guy this summer. Mm, no, there you go. That was no. that was try. That was a tough one though. You went back <laughs> and forth. Tough. Yeah, you know what? Given how things go with this organization, I could very well be an offer for those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it'll it'll definitely be fun. Uh, before you go, quick, uh, tell tell the people where they can follow you on Twitter if they aren't already, which would be a mistake, and uh, and plug some stuff. You've been I know you've been doing good stuff, so tell the people I, to read some things. I am uh, at Ian Begley, I A N B E G L E Y. Uh, I think early next week I'm going to have a look at you know what this summer means for Phil. Uh, I think leading into the final game of the season. So that should be up, um, I think, Tuesday. So that, that may take a look at that if you're a Nick fan because uh, I'm going to try to just put everything in a little bit of a context. And uh, and beyond that, uh, you know, let's see what we hear from these guys on Friday. I think, uh, you know, we're, we have some more questions, I think, for Kurt and for Mello and for other guys on this roster. So keep an eye out on Twitter. Keep an eye out on our Knicks blog because we'll certainly have more news coming uh both to both of those mediums and timmy thanks a lot for having me man i really appreciate it it's always great to be with you and i uh, hope to see you soon i hope so too uh but yeah definitely definitely follow in for what's going on the knicks are always uh they're always a trip so so be sure to be sure to keep paying attention to them a little different order than usual on the podcast today uh because ian had to get going so i figured i'd do the wrap up after he uh he checked out um, you can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. You can go to the Washington Post website to see all my articles there. You can also go to my Facebook page at Tim Bontemps NBA um, to to keep track of everything that's going on. Uh, you know, between uh, the postmortem series that we're doing, um, uh, wrapping up every team season, uh, to all the podcasts we're doing, which are going to really be ramping up here over the next few weeks to get into the playoffs. Um, you know, all the articles, everything else. So uh, keep an eye out for that stuff there. Thank you to uh, to Glenn Yoder in the Western States for uh, providing the theme music to the podcast, which uh, I always appreciate and think is very cool. Um, as far as as far as everything else going on here, I'm, I'm going to be with the Warriors for the next few days. Uh, might get a chance to go see Kobe's last game next week, depending on what thing, how things go. Um, should be a fun few days, and then and then the playoffs will start and. And, uh, you know, at the Washington Post, we're going to have you covered with, you know, both podcasts and articles about everything going on in the postseason. should be a fun couple months. Um, this is always my favorite time of the year um, because this is the time when, when the games really matter. And so it should be a lot of fun. Um, today I had a bunch of articles today, one previewing Warriors Spurs, one talking about the unbelievable uh, Sam Hickey resignation letter, um, I actually just did a podcast uh, with uh, Brian Winhurst on uh, ESPN's True Hoop Network that'll be up today. Uh, you should check out um, you should check out that because we kind of got into the the manifesto and uh, the post mortem series continued today with the Denver Nuggets. So a lot happening. Uh, there's going to be a solo podcast uh, on Friday, um, long awaited one. I got a ton of great questions, so I'm looking forward to doing that, uh, kind of answering those for people. Uh, and uh, you can keep sending them to me on Twitter or Facebook and. Uh, that should about cover it. So so thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, thanks to Ian for coming by. And looking forward to talking to you all again soon.